Aloha, you're listening to Chad Ford's NBA Big Board on the Locked On Podcast Network. Today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com, use promo code LOCKED15, and you'll get 15% off your next order. We are back with part two of Big Board 4.0 today. Last week, I released Big Board 4.0. You could find it on this podcast. You also could go to my new website and newsletter, www.mbabigboard.com, where you could get a deeper breakdown on each of the players that are involved. Today, we move on to essentially first-round bubble guys and second-round prospects. We're going deeper into the draft and... I'll start by saying that I've been saying for the last couple of months that I don't think that this draft is particularly deep, that unlike the 2020 draft, it gets really strong at the top, then picks six through 14 are a little bit of a gamble. And then after that, I I thought the quality really starts to drop off in the draft. I feel a little differently the more that I've dug into some of these players looking at the second round right now, I actually had a hard time just keeping this list to 60. I I could have gone significantly deeper of players that NBA teams mentioned to me that were draftable, uh, that they had on their big boards. And there was a number of players in in the 30s especially that we're getting significant first round love from NBA teams as well. And so that all tells me that I think that we're going to have a fairly deep draft, deeper than I thought. I still think there's some challenges in the late lottery with prospects that have big upsides, but sort of scary floors. There's a lot of solid, absolutely solid players when you start getting into the 20s, 30s, uh, 40s, and 50s. And I'm going to break down some of those for you today. If you want to read along, you can go over to my new website and newsletter, www.mbabigboard.com. And if you give us your email, we'll actually email you whenever we get an update on the big boards, mock drafts. We're doing a bunch of player cards right now, scouting reports. Last week, it was Evan Mobley and Jalen Suggs. And next week, we're going to get Davian Mitchell, Jalen Green, Jonathan Kaminga are out there. But for today, let's focus on part two of Big Board 4.0, prospects 31 through 60. And 31 is a guy who made it all the way to the title game in the NCAA tournament, Joel Ayayi, the Gonzaga junior guard who really for most of the season, I think, was overshadowed a bit by Jalen Suggs and Corey Kispert. But has been really strong. He actually got off to a really slow start at Gonzaga. He he comes from France, and I think there was some concern that uh, the hype that he had coming over to Gonzaga wasn't going to play out. But he's been just terrific this year. He's a versatile guard. He can play both positions. He shot the ball really well. He's a good rebounder for a guard. He's an engaged defender who can play multiple positions. He's a complementary player, a little Swiss Army knife that you can fit in in multiple positions but a guy that is getting significant love as a potential late first-round prospect. He makes it up to 31 on this big board, but don't be shocked as he gets into workouts if he ends up moving up into the 20s. I have his draft range right now at 25 to 40. At 32, it's Io DeSunmo, who can be a polarizing prospect. He is one of the best players in college basketball this year electric with the ball in the open floor, but question marks about is he a point guard? Is he a two guard? How well he shoots the basketball? He shot it definitely better this year, but his shot comes and goes. 
and some questions about his defensive impact. He's been inconsistent in that area as well. All of this sort of leaves teams with a difficult prospect. They love his energy. They love his motor. They love the impact that he has on the game. But does he have that one skill that actually takes him to the next level and makes him an NBA prospect? Or is he a prospect that has that dreaded tweener label where he's not quite good enough to excel at either position in the pros? That's the question mark, I think, with him right now and why his draft range ends up being right now 25 to 40. There are a couple of teams that have him a little bit higher than that, but right now that seems to be the general consensus of where uh, he should go. At 33, Josh Christopher, the shooting guard out of Arizona State, another freshman who in previous versions of the big board has been a a first-round prospect and even in the teens and hasn't really done anything necessarily to to slide because uh, he didn't play a lot of basketball at the end of the season. He's all over draft boards, in part because he's one of the best pure scorers in the draft, but what else does he bring to the table? He didn't shoot the ball particularly well. He's not a guy who's going to rack up assists or or be a playmaker out there. Defensively, his commitment waxes and wanes as well. He's another guy who, if you're looking for a prospect that could get you 20 points a night on a given night, Christopher is certainly intriguing that way. But what else does he bring to the table? I think his lack of size for his position as well. He's 6'4". Some t- teams think he's going to measure out closer to 6'3". Are also some question marks about him and why he slides into that first round bubble at 33. Again, with that same draft range of 25 to 40. At 34, this guy did not make big board 3.0. So he was not in my top 60. And more than any other prospect... The feedback that I got talking to NBA scouts, as well as some NBA agents, was where in the world is Chris Smith, uh, the UCLA wing uh, senior who was clearly on the radar screen at the st- at the top of the year as a potential first-round prospect. He ends up tearing his ACL eight games into the season and just didn't really hear a lot of buzz after him afterwards, which is why he didn't make uh, my top 60. In fact, given that college seniors have another year of eligibility because of COVID this year, I think the early thinking for me was he probably is going to rehab and come back and play another year. He's actually a very young uh, senior at only 21 uh, years old. However, I'm starting to hear rumblings now that that may not be the case, that he may at least test the draft waters, and that teams that look at him see a big 6'9", versatile wing with size, length, can score from anywhere on the floor. He was shooting 51% from three before his injury. Now that's a small sample size of eight games, but very intriguing because his ability to defend multiple positions at his size. And like I said before, he's only 21 years old. He's actually quite young for a senior. 34 on our big board with a draft range of 25 to 40 if he decides to declare uh, for the draft. Interesting prospect to see how many teams are actually very enamored with him. And I know uh, my frequent co-host, Tony Jones, is also a big Chris Smith fan. At 35, BJ Boston. Talk about a guy who has just been in free fall uh, from the start of the season where he looked like he was a top 10 prospect, was talking a lot about being a potential number one pick in the draft, struggled mightily at Kentucky his freshman season, Poor shooting, poor decision-making on both ends of the court, lack of strength. 
there just wasn't a ton that went right for B.J. Boston. Last game of the season, he ends up not scoring any points at all. There's still talent as a guard wing esh that can score the basketball. He shot the ball about as poorly as you can. I don't think he came into the season as someone who you necessarily think of as a bad shooter, but or a good shooter, either one, sort of mediocre. He was really bad uh, at Kentucky, but I think that teams expect that as he gets more strength, uh, as he continues to develop his game, that there's still some real potential there, which is why he still sits there at 35 on our big board. At 36, it's Terrence Shannon Jr., the shooting guard sophomore out of Texas Tech. Scouts have been excited about him since his freshman year, He definitely improved as a sophomore, but I don't think he took the leap that NBA teams thought that he was going to take as a scorer, as a playmaker. He was just one of those guys that does a lot of things well, but nothing that you would necessarily wow you with. He ends up averaging like 13 points a game, shot it decently at 36% from three, but was only taking about three threes a game. Wasn't necessarily great as a rebounder or... uh, defensively, probably the best thing that you could say about him was he had a a fairly good track record getting to the line where he shot 76%-ish from from the free throw line. One of these players that I think probably benefits from going back to another year of school, but also a guy that teams look at sometimes and say he does all the complementary things well, sort of like Joel Ayayi, and maybe that's enough for him to make his mark in the NBA. Don't expect him to be a star. Just expect him to use his athleticism, his commitment on the defensive end, and a solid three-point shot to be an intriguing complementary three and D-wing. At 37, Nemius Keita, the big guy out of Utah State, a junior who was one of the best rebounders and shot blockers in the country this season, and a pretty decent passer as well. Really got on the radar screen as a as a freshman, fell off it as a sophomore, got back on it as a junior, had a chance to shine in the NCAA tournament, did it. Uh, 11 points, 13 rebounds, 6 assists, 7 shots against Texas Tech. And that's the sort of game that, that Keita is really going to give you. He's going to fill up that box score. He's not going to be necessarily a dominant scorer. He doesn't move his feet laterally well enough to be projected as a, as a lottery pick. But when you look at the productivity and you look at the size and you look at what NBA teams are looking for in a backup center or a backup big, I think he's got a real chance. Uh, there are some teams that like him in the late first as well. I have him in the 25 to 45 range. At 38, it's Max Asmus, the Oral Roberts point guard who also blew up uh, in the NCAA tournament, 24 points a game, four assists a game, shot 43% from three uh, and eight attempts a game for the for the season. And he's one of these players that, look, he's undersized at, at 6'1", probably closer to six feet, 165 pounds. But his ability to shoot the basketball from anywhere on the court is just something that I think teams think maybe, maybe there's some a little bit of Trey Young. I don't think he's quite the passer or playmaker that Trey Young is. But I think that, again, where shooting comes as a premium in the NBA, 
Ace Miss coming off the bench and lighting it up is something that's intriguing to NBA teams. Uh, he's in the 25 to 45 draft range. He's, this guy's a little bit tougher for me to get my hands on because I think that a lot of NBA teams weren't expecting him necessarily to come in and declare for the draft. But after such a strong sophomore season at Warren Roberts, I think they now feel like that's the case and that's what's going to happen with him. At 39, moves up the board, Raekwon Gray, the Florida State junior power forward who's all about toughness and motor. Uh, like a lot of prospects on Florida State, it's a little difficult to get your hands on around what exactly they are other than that he has this toughness combined with this excellent feel for the game. He's an unselfish passer. His box stats aren't going to blow you away, but at the same time, you know, you look at him and you see someone who is one of these guys, again, that is going to be more role player in the NBA, but because of his versatility could fit in in multiple positions and why he's in the 30 to 50 uh, draft range. And topping out the first 10 after the first round is Benedict Mathurin, the Arizona freshman shooting guard, who's one of the younger players in the draft, still 18 years old, and has two things going for him. He's an excellent athlete, and he shot the ball really well. Uh, from deep uh, with a three-point shot. He doesn't have a lot of in-between game right now, which is a bit of worry for NBA teams and some concern about how he uses that athleticism to create shots for himself at the next level. I think that's the big question mark. But if he stays in the draft, teams are intrigued with him enough that he gets that look in the early second round He's another player that, frankly, probably benefits from going back to school for another year and trying to play himself into a mid-first-round prospect. I think that next year's class isn't quite as strong as this year's class. Seems like a lot of upperclassmen are heading to the draft this year, and so there might be some benefit from Ethereum returning, returning to school for at least a year. Okay, when we come back, we will look at picks 41 through 50 on Big Board 4.0. You've been listening to Chad Ford's NBA Big Board on the Locked On Podcast Network. I want to talk to you about my favorite protein energy bar. It's Built Bar. And the thing about that I love about Built Bar is it is the most delicious bar that you're going to be able to get. It, it tastes like a candy bar. It's significantly more interesting to eat and taste than any other bar that's out there. It has a ton of, of flavors. There's caramel brownie, there's cookies and cream, there's cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake is a favorite, um, carrot cake, apple almond crisp is one of my favorites. And then those, those are the new flavors and there's like 12 original flavors, coconut almond, raspberry, German chocolate, peanut butter, banana bread, mint brownie, that's another one of my, my personal favorites, salted caramel, double chocolate, orange, toffee, almond, coconut, and peanut butter brownie. All of them are covered in 100% chocolate. They're not chalky or hard. They're actually soft and easy to chew. Uh, they, My kids love them. I have to fight my kids to keep them away uh, from the Built Bars because they, they think they're candy. And trust me, they have never wanted to eat the energy or protein bars that I've ever had before. I, I use them because I'm a runner and, and I love them because they give me uh, energy and they, they have low calories, they're low sugar, uh, they're high protein, they're high fiber. If you're on the keto diet, um, which some of my family members are, uh, it's it's great as well. Go to BuiltBar.com, use promo code LOCKED15, and you'll get 15% off your next order. 
Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built Bar. And we are back talking Big Board 4.0 Part 2. We did picks 1 through 30 last week. You can go check out that podcast wherever you get your podcast at. We're looking at picks 31 through 50 right now. I have just broke down picks 31 through 40. And now we're going to get into picks 41 through 50. But before we go there, get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with the Locked On Today podcast. Host Peter Pakowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. It's also a chance for me to plug my new website and new draft newsletter, www.nbabigboard.com. Go over there, give us your email, you'll get updates in your email every day. That's how the newsletter works. We have Big Board 4.0 up there. We have part two up there right now. You can read and look at all these prospects. We have a number of player scouting reports. We have who's who in the NBA draft with a breakdown of every player who's declared for the draft, whether they're hiring an agent or not, and what their draft status is right now, what their range is of where they might get drafted. Lots of cool stuff, more stuff coming down the pipe, gonna be a mock draft coming soon. I think you're really going to enjoy it. I think you're going to be able to be able to dive deeper. I'm a writer and I love to write. And so that's been a big part of my life for many years. And I still love doing the podcast, but like to get back to that as well. So go check that out at www.nbabigboard.com. All right. Pick 41, Jeremiah Robinson Earl, the Villanova sophomore who has been on the radar screen for the whole year as a potential bubble first round guy because of his versatility, his feel for the game. One of these guys that fits in and does multiple things. And then he had like a solid but not spectacular sophomore year. Got better in the NCAA tournament. Still question marks about what he is athletically, who he guards, whether his shot is going to be good enough to really be one of the stretch the four uh, guys People, I can tell you that NBA scouts love Villanova players. They love them for their feel for the game, how they've been coached. And so he's getting a little bit of a benefit of the doubt there. He actually had a pretty strong NCAA tournament as well, which I think has helped his stock a bit. He's now moved up into the 30 to 50 range. I have him 41 on my latest board. At 42, it's been quite a drop for Louisville point guard slash shooting guard David Johnson, who at one time thought could crack the lottery in this year's draft because NBA teams love big athletic point guards like him. He just turned 20 years old. He's young. And that slide has been a sense of frustration with teams no longer necessarily believing that his best position is on the ball, seeing him more as a two guard and then not an an aggressive player, not a player who's actually out there hunting for his shot. So he shot the ball better this year. That was a big check. He's cut down on turnovers a little bit. I mean, that's pretty easy to do after his wild freshman year. But does he have the drive to capitalize on all of that and be a scorer in the NBA, which I think more teams feel like that's probably the role that he would need to play at the next level? 
There are some teams out there that still see him as a point guard and, and have him a little bit higher on their boards, but but he's seen his stock slip enough that you almost wonder again whether he might be better off returning to Louisville for his junior season. Draft range right now at 35 to 50. At 43, Terrence Clark, another prospect mentioned in the, t- the teens before the college basketball season started, really struggled at Kentucky, uh, then got injured and uh, with an ankle that limited him just ultimately to eight games. Uh, He comes back for one game, but doesn't really do much for Kentucky. But at some point, you look at the scoring prowess, you look at the athleticism, you look at the ability to create his own shot off the dribble. And even though he's not a great three-point shooter, and even though there's question marks about his defense and and a difficult freshman year at Kentucky, I think someone takes a risk on him, and he's at number 43 on my board with that 35 to 50 draft range. At 44, it's Charles Bassey, Western Kentucky big man, who is an excellent rebounder and shot blocker and really just sits here, not because he hasn't been productive, because I think he's had an excellent junior season at Western Kentucky, and he's really young for a junior at just 20 and a half years old. But just because the way he plays the game he is still more of an old school big man than the NBA is looking for right now. There's questions about his ability to go out and defend on the perimeter, questions about how well he'll be at stretching the floor, though he definitely takes threes and has been developing that part of his game. There are a couple of teams that I talk to that that see him more like in the late 20s, early 30s than where we have him here at 44. But I think a more comfortable draft range for him is going to be 35 to 50 right now. At 45, it's Herb Jones, the Alabama wing who was one of the most versatile defenders in college basketball, also can get you assists, rebounds, points, not dominant in any one area, but a player that can get a lot done defensively and a number of interesting teams that look at, okay, wing defenders who can do enough offensively to stay on the court, but could be a lockdown guy that can guard two, three positions. Herb Jones is, is one of those guys. And, and this is what I'm talking about while I, why I think that this draft is deeper. Like we're at 45 with Herb Jones and I'm still encountering a couple of teams that think that he might end up being drafted somewhere in the late first or early second round, and he's at 45. That that shows the depth, I think, that we see here, and there's going to be a lot of interchangeability between those players as we get closer to the draft. could say the same thing about number 46 on our board, Miles McBride, the West Virginia sophomore point guard uh, who has advanced passing skills, has toughness, shot the ball well from three, He needs to get to the rim more. He actually had a a pretty decent showing in the NCAA tournament as well. He's another guy that you kind of look at him and and think he might be better off with another year school. He's, again, pretty young. He's just 20 years old. But intriguing enough as someone who can pass the ball, who can play tough defense, which you're required to do at West Virginia, can shoot the ball well from three, he, again, fits in this 35 to 50 range. At 47, I'm just going to confess right now, I don't know exactly where to put this guy, Dyson Nix, the G League point guard who, before the season began, I thought he might end up being a lottery pick just based off the talent and his ability to see the floor. I think he's one of the best pure passers in this draft. He sees the floor well. He's a 
consummate floor leader when he has the ball in his hands. He was out of shape all season, that ding-ding. He really struggled not only just to shoot the ball, but to create really any offense for himself, which allowed defenses to really sag on him. And so you have this great passer, but will he be able to do anything more than that at the next level? Will he be able to defend? Will he get back that lateral quickness if he gets in better shape? How's his three-point shot going to come along? I think there's so many question marks right now with him. I think it's going to be hard for him to crack the first round just based off what I'm hearing talking to NBA teams right now. And they feel like he's a safer bet in the second round, which is why I have his draft range now in the 40 to 60 range. At 48, another guy that we had earlier identified as a potential first rounder who has continued to slide a bit, Rocco Perkison, the forward out of Croatia, who is really young, one of the youngest players in the draft, is tall, got a long wingspan, is putting up actually pretty impressive numbers in Europe right now, can really, has a good feel for the game. But doesn't have isn't a great athlete, very inconsistent as a three-point shooter, which scares a lot of teams. Lots of turnovers, not sure what his defensive position is right now. All of those are significant red flags at the moment that make me wonder whether Perkison is going to be safer as a kind of second-round draft and stash option and see what he becomes as opposed to somebody who could take it in the first round. At 49, we are back in the G League. With Isaiah Todd, who I think a lot of teams thought of the four young high school players that were coming into the G League Ignite team, he was the least likely to get drafted. I think he played well enough for sure in the G League that that he's going to get drafted. The question is where? Is it closer to 30? Is it closer to 60? We have him right now at 49. Uh, He's able to shoot the basketball. He plays with a good motor. He needs to add strength. He needs to add toughness. Uh, he just really wants to be a jump shooter right now, and he's going to have to be more than that to really take advantage of everything that he brings as far as size goes. And that's putting him in the 40-60 range. He's just another guy. These two G League players, Knicks and Todd, really difficult to find out where teams ultimately see them because, because they played in the G League and they played against better competition Part of the scouting is more confident that their struggles in the G League are going to be struggles in the NBA. Sometimes because the college game is so different, you can project someone and say, well, yeah, I struggled with that in college, but it'll be less so in the NBA. But I think that this is a more of an apples and apples, apple to apples comparison, which is why there are, is some concern about Todd and how he translates. On the other end, maybe it's a little unfair because he's playing against much better competition than most college players are playing at, at playing against right now. And maybe Todd would have put up significantly better numbers had he been on a college uh, team. Maybe he his numbers would have looked better. He would have looked tougher because he was playing with players his age. That's that's a really difficult question to, to, to pull apart because this is the first year of this G League experiment. And so he might be too low on the board or he might just be just right because they are able to better scout him because he's in the G League. Right now, it's draft range 40 to 50. At 50, Quentin Grimes, the Houston shooting guard who brings deep shooting, good defense, made nearly four threes a game, uh, had a strong NCAA tournament. Uh, One of these guys that was a blue chip prospect, transferred from Kansas, 
He's a 3 and D guard who I think could carve out a role at the next level at the NBA, which is, which is pretty cool when you're talking about 50 right now in the draft. Draft range right now, 40 to 60. I think he's likely to come out and go ahead and test the waters. Probably feels like he's done enough. He's 21 years old. He's a junior. It might be time to come. When we return, we'll finish Big Board 4.0. We'll do picks 51 through 60, as well as I'll throw in another five guys that just barely missed the mark. You've been listening to Chad Ford's NBA Big Board on the Locked On Podcast Network. I want to talk about our new sponsor, rockauto.com. It's a family business. It's been serving auto parts to customers online for 20 years, and If you think about chain stores and they have different price tiers for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers, rockauto.com's prices are the same for everybody. They're reliably low. They offer the lowest possible prices rather than changing prices based on what the market will bear like airlines do. rockauto.com is for everybody and does not require membership or account login. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. You quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and then you choose the brands, specifications, and prices you prefer. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right, locked on in their how-did-you-hear-about-us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. And we're back talking 2021 NBA draft. Big Board 4.0, Part 2. And in Part 2, we're looking at picks 31 through 60. We did Part 1 last week. You can check that out on the podcast. You can go to my new website and newsletter, www.nbabigboard.com. You can read all about it there, as well as you can read Part 2 of Big Board 4.0. Before we dive into picks 51 through 60, I also want to tell you about another cool new podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network. It's NBA Draft with the Locked On NBA Draft Podcast. So another draft podcast. Scouting reports, draft rumors, mock drafts, full coverage, four days a week from credentialed draft experts. Follow the Locked On NBA Draft Podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. Okay, we're wrapping this up. It's pick 51, Rokas Jokobitis. The Lithuanian point guard with high basketball feel for the game, good shooting, has the ability to run a team, is a classic point guard, doesn't have ideal size or athleticism for his position. Actually having a really nice season in Lithuania right now. Teams are just wondering whether that athletic profile will translate to the next level. At 52, 
It's Filip Petrusev, the big man out of Serbia who played with Gonzaga for a while. Yeah, the Zags could have been more loaded. Great touch around the basket. Proven to be a dangerous three-point shooter this year. I think he's a really interesting prospect. Of the international guys, this is one of the players that is really interesting around the polarizing, talking to NBA teams right now that specialize in international work. Some people say, yeah, got him over to Europe, worked on his shot, much better prospect than he was a year ago. Other people say, look at the team that he's on, look at how he's featured on that team. He couldn't get it done at Gonzaga. What makes you think that he is going to be able to get it done in the NBA? Lots of polarizing opinions on him. I'll be interesting to see how that all plays out. Probably in workouts, he's in the draft range of 40 to 60. At 53, Luca Garza. I get a lot of questions about Luca Garza. He was such a dominant player at Iowa um, as a big man. Why isn't he higher on boards? And I say, look, 15 years ago, he probably would have been a top 10 pick given his size and his dominant scoring ability and his ability even to kind of stretch the floor a little bit. But in our NBA, his below average quickness, his lack of pop, all of that are major, major liabilities at the next level. I, I think he looks much more like he's going to be a Euro League prospect than he's going to be an NBA prospect. But the potential for him to be drafted is still there. Uh, we have his draft range right now at 40 to 60. At 54, it's David Duke. And Duke was another guy who we were thinking for a while was going to be a first-round prospect. His first half of the season was really red hot, slid a little bit in the second half of the season. I'm I'm still a little bit partial uh, to David Duke as a basketball player. Uh, I think that um, he might have a little bit more than what he showed in the second half of the season right now. And his draft range is 40 to 60. I think that's got to be a little bit disappointing considering where he thought he was going to be on draft night. Interesting big point guard that I, I think team should continue to take a look at. At 55, it's Matthew Hurt, another guy that early on thought maybe maybe he's going to crack the first round as a sweet shooting small forward out of Duke. He shot the ball well enough this year, and, and so that, that was great. And at his size, finding shooters that can shoot at 6'9", is always really intriguing. He really struggled defensively at Duke, and I think that that is part of the reason that there was so much pessimism about what he ultimately is in the NBA. He's not Corey Kispert, who I think has the the mobile mobility and athleticism to be a solid defender in the NBA. I think Hurt is going to get hurt uh, when it comes to the defensive end in the NBA, which is why he's a little bit lower on our board now. At 56, it's Jabari Walker. Uh, look at the time of recording this podcast. I'm not even sure that Jabari Walker is in the draft. He had one huge game against Georgetown uh, that really intrigued NBA teams because of his size, his shooting uh, ability, his quickness to be able to defend multiple positions on the floor. He's a ways away from being ready for the NBA. But if he were to declare for the draft, I think that he's going to get a look uh, in the second round with a team that thinks that they can stash him in the G League, add some strength uh, to his frame, and that he could be a really intriguing uh, player. If he goes back to school and and tries the 2022 NBA draft, I actually think the talent is there for him to be a potential mid-first rounder to maybe even a lottery pick. At 57, Jaime Yaquez Jr., 
the UCLA sophomore wing who, along with Johnny Juzang, was one of the best players in the NCAA tournament. It's tough. Offensive and defensive versatility, a motor that won't stop. UCLA hummed defensively when he was out on the floor. Look, he's probably a, a little bit like Jabari Walker a year away from being a more serious draft candidate. But there was definitely enough buzz around what he was able to do in the NCAA tournament. Teams just love the toughness and the grit and how he got after things to think about him as a top 60 prospect. At 58, it's Yuhan Bagarin, who would be drafted completely on upside because of athleticism, length, fast twitch speed and leaping ability, excellent motor, but the skill part needs a ton of work right now. Everybody I talk to sees him as a potential draft and stash option in the second round. And for most international players, that's going to be okay. Uh, so 45 to undraft is where I put him at right now. At 59, it's Ariel Hookporti, the big German center who is big, is mobile, still trying to figure out his game, has some defensive abilities that really intrigue scouts, ability to guard both the paint and the perimeter at the next level. Another just interesting second round draft and stash prospect uh, for teams that see him at 19 years old and seven feet, 251 pounds and say there's potential there and we're going to give him time. At 60, Keontae Johnson, the Florida junior who we just don't know what's up with him. Uh, he was going to be a surefire first rounder, if not a lottery pick before uh, he fell to the floor in Florida's fourth game of the season. If he's cleared medically, if he declares for the draft, what will NBA teams think? I think it'll come down to the medicals. He's a guy who like shoots up the board. If everything comes out clean, if there's any issues, he probably goes undrafted. He sits at 60 just as a reminder that this is a really, really talented basketball player and individual. We just don't really know what his health is like yet. I want to talk about the next five guys just very briefly, who didn't make the cut. It starts with Isaiah Livers, uh, the Michigan uh, senior who was one of the best three-point shooters on Michigan this year and intrigued scouts because of his size and his ability to stretch the floor. At 62, Aaron Henry, the slashing Michigan State guard, who some teams like considerably higher than this, but questions about his jump shot uh, continue to plague him. At 63, uh, Joe Weiskamp, uh, the Iowa wing, who has zero questions about his jump shot. He's one of the best shooters in this draft. And the question is, what else does he bring to the table? 64 is Santi Aldama, the Loyola, Maryland sophomore center who brings scoring and shot blocking to the table. Whether he's a good enough athlete to defend on the perimeter is the big question for him. And at 65, Justin Champagny. The Pittsburgh forward, a sophomore who's a versatile wing, who can play some of the two and three, a rebounder, score at the rim, didn't shoot the ball really well, and that's going to be a big question mark going forward. Also keep an eye on his brother, Julian, sophomore at St. John's, who also declared for the draft, and a few scouts actually like Julian better as a draft prospect. That's 65 prospects on Big Board 4.0. You've been listening to Chad Ford's NBA Big Board on the Locked On Podcast Network. Aloha. Aloha.